Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 15 of Big League Flicks, a sports movie podcast. I'm Jamie McKinnon, and I'm joined by my co-hosts, Christian Webster and Jordan Reed. What's up, boys? Hey, everybody. Hope everybody's well. All is well here today. Uh, I'm happy because the Raiders are actually going to play a game today. They have enough of their offensive line. It was looking for a while, like we we're going to go with the University of Toronto's offensive line out there. But luckily, uh, they most of them got out of COVID quarantine, so we're good to go. Uh, ready to go here, Webb. Big Sunday, big race day usually on Sundays. Uh, got a got a full lineup of football. What a baseball game last night! Can't believe that finish. Oh. Unreal. I think Jamer's still reeling from that one. I was not happy. That's a tough one for the Dodgers. I was screaming at Kenley. I'm not a, like a Dodgers fan per se, but I I really like Kershaw and I I want him to win one before he. And I you know he's finally starting to pitch well in the playoffs, which has been a kind of a thing for him. So I want him to win one before he ends his career. He's a good guy. You know, he needs this to cement his legacy. We talked about this, this morning, James. Is like the Dodgers have so much money sunk into their team. Yep. We talked about like go sink some more now and go get a closer. Yeah. Go get a shutdown guy. Jansen's been hit or miss for a long time. Yeah. And when he's off, he's way off. Yeah. Like the announcers were just on their edge. They just kept, you could tell something bad was going to happen. And, and their middle bullpen wasn't that great last night either, right? No, Didn't they, that Reyes kid or whatever his name is give up a couple. Uh, bombs there they did and normally they're pretty steady but they've been the they're way they're worked. pitching now like they, they don't let the starters go we've been talking about this mm-hmm. for a bit but anyway today we're uh dropping onto the the old oval hardtop and we're going to drop the hammer with the beauty of a movie today with days of thunder now hold on a minute don't you think we ought to talk what about how i'm gonna run sure about how you've managed to live as long as you have Think he can drive? Oh, he can drive. He can drive beyond the limits of the tires, the engine, the car, anything else. There's nothing I can't do with a race car. <laughs> well, that's the difference between you and me. There's only so much I can do. You want me to work the pit and you drive? You run good? Thank you. And we'll see how you do in the crowd. He's desperate to get your attention. Got it. I've walked into a jungle. Come up here and do it. I'll take you to a race. Really, I can't. I'm a doctor. I'm cool. Think your driving can improve? I'll take your word for what a car can do, but I'm not taking anybody's word for what I can do. I don't want you to hold a bad opinion of Cole. I believe it scares him. He needs reassurance from you that he's okay. After all, uh... How could you ignore me like that? I wasn't ignoring you. You're his doctor. The driver gets his bell rung and a couple of lights flicker. And loses what he needs more than his eyesight, more than his reflexes. More than anything in the world. I've raced with my legs broke, heart bruised, eyes popping out of my head like they're on springs. He loses his need. Need to drive right out there on the ragged edge. He doesn't believe you can drive anymore. How long before you find out if you're really good? You just want to race again. Well, you're really lucky. You get back in that car, you'll die. Well, unless you're new, you know the drill. Before we pop the hood on this baby, we're going to pop the top on a nice cold beer. It's time for our brew review. What are we drinking today, Webb? Well, boys, this week we really decided to pay homage to Tom Cruiser himself, drop the hammer, and head on down the 401 to the Big Smoke and check out the Cruiser All Day Pale Ale from our friends at Amsterdam Brewery. At 4.9%, this award-winning golden pale ale has a refined drinkability with rich tropical flavors. Made from a bounty of Canadian pale malts and slowly added citra and sriracha ace hops, this beer has a smooth, crisp, refreshing taste with big citrus punch. So why not cruise right on into your local watering hole, beer store, or LCBO and pick yourself up one of these or any other of their fine beers from Amsterdam Brewery. For more information on this and any one of their other fine beers, check them out at AmsterdamBeer.com. 
Engage with them on social by following them on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Amsterdam Beer. Amsterdam Beer, fresh, local, original. As always, Big League Fricks reminds you to please enjoy responsibly and always ensure you have a safe ride home. Cheers, boys. Cheers. Ooh, that's not bad. That's pretty refreshing. First time I've had this beer, and you kick us off, JR. I got us here. Good, refreshing beer. I love that. Love how fresh that is. I love the hoppiness. It feels good on a cool Sunday today, game day in the NFL. Liking this one. Love the name. Like that's from Toronto. Like that's only 4.9%, so it's one of those ones you can have, like truly all day, pale ale, you'll be all right. I'm going to give this one an 8.1. Uh, go that high because I like the localness. I like the refreshing taste. I love the name and can't say enough good things about it. I'm going to go 7.6 on this one. It, it's good. It's tasty. I like the citra hops. It is an IPA. We've had a lot of IPAs, um, and we did get away from it with our last couple of beers, which we'd hope to, uh, but I'm not going, going into the eights on this one. I'm going to go 7.6. What do you got, Webb? Yeah, the, the nice thing about the IPAs is that they all, I guess, they all taste, they all have that good citrusy taste to them, right? There's not a few that really don't, but uh, this one is similar in that same vein with a bunch of other ones. Uh, like JR, I like that it's local. Um, pretty much any beer I've had from Amsterdam, I've enjoyed. There's not too many. Uh, it was funny because I've never had this one. I, I thought when you were getting it, I originally thought we were getting the Bone Shaker, and oh, that's yeah. a meal in and of itself. Oh, yeah. That's definitely not an all-day beer, but this one is different. I like this one. I'm not going to go as high as JR either. I'm going to go with uh, I'm gonna go with 7-4 on this one. Solid score. score. Nice. I got your back. <laughs> <laughs> as we mentioned, today we're doing uh, Days of Thunder, which is directed by Tony Scott, distributed in 1990 by Paramount Pictures. Got a 6.1 rating on Internet Movie Database and 60% on Rotten Tomatoes. Had a budget of $55 million and grossed $157.9 million at the box office. We got music by Hans Zimmer, starring Tom Cruise, Robert Duvall, Randy Quaid, and Nicole Kidman. Quick movie synopsis. When over-leveraged car salesman slash wannabe NASCAR racing team mogul Tim DeLand loses his driver, he rolls the dice on Cole Trickle a cocky hotshot from the world of open-wheel racing, hoping that he can catch lightning in a bottle. Trickle teams up with legendary crew chief Harry Hogg as they embark on a roller coaster quest for NASCAR Cup Series glory. Can Harry keep Cole's ego and temper in check long enough to taste victory, or will they crash and burn? Let's dive into our character review, and let's start out with our boy, Cole Trickle, played by Tom Cruise. Right on, Cole Trickle. Um... I like the open wheel concept that he comes from. Around this time in my life, I got into NASCAR for a few years, late 80s into the early 90s. I was really into it for some reason. I don't know why. I was kind of obsessed with pit crews, and I loved how they came in and changed tires and fill the gas, and I thought it was super cool. So cool trickle. I had, you know, the normal things, cocky, smug, that open wheel attitude he came in with, and the little bit of disrespect he kind of had toward the, quote, stock car, where he talks about the cars being all the same and things like that, whereas an open wheel, big difference in engines, there's a difference in tires, all that kind of stuff. What I had for him was he's the first of the newer generation of driver coming into NASCAR. You're still in the days of like Petty, Walter, Walter, um, Kowicki. You're looking at Bill Elliott's. You're looking at all these types of old, oh, uh, Dale Earnhardt, obviously. You're looking at, you know, the Intimidator, things like that. And he's that new guy coming into their world of the good old boy Southern racing. And he's throwing things off. He doesn't know anything about cars. He just knows how to drive. But there's nothing wrong with that if you let the person who knows what they're doing about cars take care of it, which is Harry. So I had a lot of things. He reminded me a little bit, obviously way later, the Johnsons, uh, the Kyle Bushes who come into NASCAR, just that kind of attitude and changing things up a lot. And he's abrasive. He seemed hard to like him, but you, the other drivers, obviously, I'm not sure how much they would feel about him. So overall, I really liked him. Uh, I think he kind of had like a t the, how Tony Stewart drove everything. Do you guys remember Tony Stewart, the driver? Like he, oh, yeah. he was driving yeah. into everything. He was and doing he, the truck series Friday nights before the big race on Saturday and Sunday. Exactly. <clears throat> so he was doing all these different things. I love that the smile of Tom Cruise, that smug smile, and he snaps the celery, and he just plays, you know, Cole Trickle. I used to be a driver, Dick Trickle. Just the name alone for NASCAR is perfect. Great character, great job, obviously, but Tom Cruise. Um, I like that he's from California, and he's a... They thought he was a Yankee, and they're like, "Is he a Yankee?" About how they're snapping on him, but the guy's from California on you're a motorcycle. From California, you're not really a you're Yankee. Not really, <laughs> not really. You so, said it. I love that part when he comes in for that. Before I wrap this up, too, I saw later a lot of the Canadian uh, Jacques Villeneuve in him. Ooh. 
Uh, obviously, he was before Villeneuve, and maybe Villeneuve had some inspiration. I mean, his dad, obviously, of course. But just that, like, kind of cocky attitude. And Jacques Villeneuve, you remember he used to have the dyed hair, and he yep. didn't really care. And no. he drove hard. And Cole Trickle does a great job of just driving hard to the best of everything he's got, Webb. So I'm going to go kind of in that same vein, but I'm going uh, Jeff Gordon. Yes. So yeah, Jeff Gordon is Cole Trickle, right? He's a guy from California. He raced all kinds of different series before he came over. Once he did come over, he had tremendous success. Mm-hmm. Wasn't overly liked by a lot of NASCAR uh, traditionalists when he first came in and burst onto the scene. Uh, and then kind of won them over, right? He, he kind of had that same almost kind of career arc that Cole goes through in the same way. Like had a lot mm-hmm. of success then kind of went down. And then as he retired a few years ago from the sport, like people really, really seemed to gravitate back to him and, and uh, get on board with what he was all about. I know uh, the general is a huge Jeff Gordon guy, has has multiple mo- model cars of uh, the 24 car up in the shop. So loves Jeff Gordon. <laughs> Same thing with, with Cole. You know, he he's very cocky. He's very confident, but he, he does so. He's got a lot of bravado, but he does so kind of to mask his own um, insecurities, I'll say, right? Uh, Harry's mm-hmm. got that one line, more afraid of being a nothing than being hurt. Um, he's always just looking to make somebody proud, right? We, we talked here. He talks a little bit about it there in the intro when he's talking to the doctor about just caring so much about what other people think of him. Um, and that comes to me from his ability to, uh, he feels probably in some ways like he let down his dad, even though his dad was a scumbag and totally sold him up shit's Creek. But, uh, yeah, you know, bit of a hothead, bit of a temper. It doesn't always, a little brash, doesn't always think. Um, but yeah, great, great character. Uh, probably one of my favorite Tom Cruise characters of all time, Jim. Yeah. No, you guys hit on every single point. Like, you guys nailed it. So let's move on to Harry Hogg, played by Robert Duvall. Harry Hogg's a good old boy. Harry Hogg, uh, he's crushing moonshine. He's out there working the fields. Uh, racing is his love. I love both the scene uh, at the beginning of the movie where he's building the car for Cole and he's talking about that. It's probably one of my favorite scenes in all the cinema, that one. Uh, as well as the, the car when he's about to get into Roddy's car and he starts leaking oil and he's like, that's, that's not what we're talking about. Just how he, in tune with the car he is. I love it. Again, he's got some great one-liners in this, but the thing I like about him most, he's got a code. Right. He understands the code of NASCAR. JR, you're a big code guy. He's yeah. got a big one. Uh, mm-hmm. Some of my favorite one liners from this movie, when we get into memorable quotes, come from Harry. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. I think he, he like I said, he, he also kind of acts like a fatherly figure to Cole in a lot of ways. Right. And uh, he's he's much needed in this role for sure. Yeah, I think, Webb, you talked about a couple podcasts back about how well Robert Duvall plays a secondary character. And that's another example of Duvall nailing it again. And he does this in all sorts of different movies, which I'll come back to in a moment. I had that same idea of he's old school NASCAR, North Carolina, what a farm, tractors, knows his cars like the back of his hand. Tobacco Um, farm, maybe? Probably, probably, I'm going to go on a limb and say it's tobacco row somewhere. Pigs or tobacco. Yeah, something like that. Um, I had... At first, he's kind of an example, like you talked about a Gordon or any of the new drivers, how Harry's willing, not really willing to evolve with NASCAR right at the start of it, and he's not really getting it. And then as it goes on, he starts to evolve with it as well. He kind of takes on Cole in that like son sort of role. He With Buck, he seems to fill some of that role for him now too. And I like how skeptical he is, how worrisome he is, how he's always obsessed with tires and things like that. That's pure crew chief. And then I wrote down, I'm like, is he a wartime crew chief? I don't know. But <laughs> from the Godfather, when they're like, I don't know if he's a wartime consigliere or not. But I really loved Robert Duvall in this role. I had one question for you guys, and I want to know who wins this race. Robert Duvall is Harry in his foot race versus Robert Duvall from Kicking and Screaming. Which Robert Duvall wins that race Ooh. in a foot race, like at the end? He is one hell of a runner in he this was, movie. When he he was spoke, it. He was. I, I, I legitimately thought, oh, he's going to take Cruz in this. And then Cruz catches him, obviously. Uh, I, I think that Tom Cruise is the fastest running actor, or he looks like it. He definitely, oh, he definitely like does. It. Like when you see him in Mission Impossible just booking it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Like he, he, can, get, he can get the pistons going. Yeah. You know? Gets a little cheetah. Yeah, yeah, he totally does. But the old buck from, uh, I don't know who wins that foot race. I'm not sure. Yeah. Well, tetherball race, we're talking about something different. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Robert Duvall, and I, we've talked about it. We've had him in a couple movies already. And to me, he's always the guy that I don't see Robert Duvall when he's acting. I see whatever character he is. Yep. So mm-hmm. I see Harry Hogg. Yep. Mm-hmm. You know, like some <clears throat> actors, you, even really good ones, you kind of see them a lot in it. Like I see Tom Cruise. I, Tom Cruise is one of my favorite guys of all time. 
but that's Tom Cruise, right? You know what I mean? Like yeah. whatever he's in, that's Tom Cruise, and yeah. he's playing this guy. But like in every movie that I've ever seen Robert Duvall in, I'm like, wow, he embodies that character more than anything. And you know, you forget it's Robert Duvall sometimes. Yeah. It's a really good point. Like I actually forgot that Robert Duvall was in The Natural because I just remembered the character Max. Yeah. I'm like, oh, Max, he's slimy. But I forgot. Oh yeah, Robert Duvall played him. Yeah. Like he just plays it so well. Um, but yeah, he's, I love him in this movie. I really think he's amazing. He's a guy that I want to have a beer with. Like, you oh, know, yeah. when, yeah. you know, when Cole goes back later and he wants to get back in the car and he's like, no, 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 we don't want that. No ghosts here. Uh, grab some moonshine. We'll tell some stories. Oh, back yeah. at the farm. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that looked great. When he comes back and him and Buck are in the garage, yeah. just working on his tractor or whatever. Yeah. I'm like, I want to be there right now. Yeah. Like, yeah. How much fun would that be? You walk into the barn and then, you know, Harry Hogg says, let's go grab the moonshine and tell some stories. I'm like, oh, I'm in. Yeah. But that's, oh, that, the stories would be fantastic. I love, I love this character. I love him in this one. Let's move on to Tim DeLand, played by Randy, not Dennis Quaid. I thought he did a great job of just being the slick, greasy car owner. He's a front runner. He just wants victories. He's just, I've talked about it before. He's like, he did a great job of being that owner. I had the sunglasses. He's a car salesman. He's a salesman first above everything, and he's a yep. front runner. And he did an excellent job of that. The mannerisms, he's a big guy, so he had a big presence all the time in the yes. pit, which really helped because I think like Cruz is small. The other guys look pretty small. So it kind of helped with him having a giant presence all the time. And I had the glasses. Uh, so hard to trust because you never knew really where you stood with him. Like it's, it's win, 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 or I've never really heard of you. And that's a lot of sports owners today. There's yeah. big money on the line, the self promotion, um, jumping over to Russ all of a sudden. You're like, yeah, you're old news now. Russ is the man kind of thing. I had a lot of that with him. Uh, and the last thing I had was I just put it at the idea of, you know, the big money. Always looking for sponsors because, I mean, NASCAR, it's so expensive to run one of those cars. And they're so obsessed with sponsors. You know, the, the 29 Chevrolet, da-da-da-da, ran that well. You yeah. just have to hear it all the time. And he's the epitome of that person in your ear being, you make sure you get all the sponsors all the time. And you, you, you could tell, you know, you know, in Victory Row uh, Web that he would be there telling you that part. Yeah, I got nothing to add, Jerry. You crushed that. Oh. Yeah, I nailed it. I'll just add a couple things. I, he's uh, – and you kind of touched on it, JR, that – when you're a car dealer down in the south, every, NASCAR is everything. You want to be connected to NASCAR in some way because their fan base is insane. Yep. Like I lived two hours away from Talladega Speedway when I was down in Georgia, and people are like bananas. Like they have bumper stickers all over. Like everybody goes nuts for their race, you know, race teams and stuff. So I think he's really desperate to get into that world or get that foot in the door. And like you said, it's extremely expensive to. Even if you're a great, you know, a successful car salesman, like it's hard to get in. It's a niche world, and yeah. it's an old boys club, especially back then. Absolutely. So he's desperate to get in there. So I think in the start of the movie, you really kind of like him because you're like, oh, you're rooting for him. And then he kind of turns on you, right? When he does the thing with Russ, and he kind of turns on uh, Cole, and then you're like, I don't like Tim anymore. And then he then he ends up redeeming himself in the end when he gives him the, the engine, and he's like. Uh, that's my engine in that car and those are pushing, my boys pushing, pushing it yeah. you know like so he he kind of does a he's a, he's a good guy then he's a bad guy then he redeems himself i had that maybe a little bit of inspiration maybe like hendrix motorsports for him it's funny you mentioned somebody that. like that he was based on rick hendrick yeah. okay so he's uh I'll, I'll touch on some of it. all these guys are based on actual people and we'll touch on it later but uh yeah good catch there jr really good catch let's move on to rowdy burns played by michael rooker Rowdy is built for tough. Rowdy is tough as nails, good old Southern boy, like eats, gets up, has a farmer's breakfast, has coffee black, uh, goes out, works a 12 hour day, comes back, plows the misses, and then, uh, has a couple <laughs> cold ones and goes to bed. Farmer's and breakfast. does it all over again the next day and races some cars in between Farmer's there. Breakfast. This guy is a legend. Uh, I love Michael Rooker in just about everything he does. He plays, yep. he plays the, I'll say the quintessential badass pretty well. Um, and it's partly because he's got that like southern twang to him. I have ornery, stubborn, uh, any, he sees right through Cole, right? Like he just, he gives it to him straight. I love that he sees a lot of himself in Cole. Like he comes to respect Cole and, and, and they end up liking each other. 
the scene with him and Cole racing the the rental cars is probably one of my favorite scenes in all of movie history. Like I just love that. Watching that over and over again, <laughs> it's so over the top. It's amazing. Uh, and then when they're in the follow up about the car trouble, and I think it was the transmission, like it was just priceless. Uh, so yeah, he's fantastic, Jr. I I don't have much more to add on him that you probably have. Like, I had much. a couple things, Webb. I mean, you had most of the things as well. Um, I think when they said you know car troubles, transmissions, kind of right there, it solidified their friendship at that point. The respect came out, and you're like, okay, there's some respect there yeah. now. What I had, I had as old school as it gets. That's a proper proper nascar racer that's like your kale yarborough's or you know i had yarborough walters uh earnhardt's again elliott's that's the that's the kind that'll knock you off the road yeah and i had how he does the you know the no doctors uh i mean everything else web i think you pretty much hit but the code definitely lives with rowdy yeah i love rowdy i i always had the feeling and i remember like when i first watched it earnhardt was obviously big name right like the color of his car the gruffness of his character the 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 intimidation factor the intimidator right mm-hmm. i always thought that he's kind of based he's got to be based on dale earnhardt right yeah you crushed it web you're i know you're a big rooker guy <laughs> love rooker he is he's tough he's he's the perfect guy i can't imagine anyone else playing this character he was awesome i just can't picture yeah him, this time too i don't know who would there be i don't this even know this came in what 1990 90? yeah in 90 I, I don't think i can't picture anyone else no i don't know no yeah, he's the guy Maybe Bruce Willis, but he's not cool enough that at that time. Bruce he, Willis still had like kind of the, the cul-de-sac, and you're yeah. like, shave it off. He's like, not NASCAR looking. No, no, that guy's not just. And Bruce Willis NASCAR. couldn't pull off the Southern piece, right? Like, no, that's that's a big appeal. This movie is the 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 Yankee, so to speak, coming into the whole the, Southern race. The yes. only other guy I could maybe picture doing it would be. Remember the guy that played Jack Parkman in uh, oh, League yeah. Two? Yeah, maybe he could pull it off. He might be too big. He's a big lad, yeah. He might be boy. too big. I'm not sure. I know who you mean. Though. I'd forget he's his name, He's an officer too. and a gentleman, too. He yeah. did that little wiggle, and the fans of Cleveland went nuts. The shimmy. <laughs> the shimmy. Oh, Parkman. Jack Parkman, you stud. <laughs> Parkman's going to do the shimmy. Fans in Cleveland hate it. <laughs> <laughs> Makes the fans here puke. Let's move on to Dr. Claire Lewicki, played by Nicole Kidman. How are you now? Good news. Um, I actually put, obviously, beautiful... Um, that goes without saying. I actually had for her that she's kind of ahead of her time in medicine with the headpiece. This whole, the whole piece, I'm glad you mentioned that. This whole piece that they did about, uh, like basically they diagnosed Rowdy with CTE. Yeah. Yes. He had a brain bleed, which we've heard of and stuff. Like that's big in boxing, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. But essentially they, he's been diagnosed with what, what would amount to CTE. So I think so. that needs to be brought up that like she, her character was ahead of her time. Yeah. In 89, 90, whenever they're shooting this, I'm going to assume they probably shot it in 89, let's say. Yeah. No one really talked about that. I, we were old enough to know, like no one talked about concussions at this point or a NASA. NASCAR, that's the last thing that talked about anything of those lines. If it wasn't broken, you get back in. And if it's broken, you still make it back in. Right. Um, so I kind of just had that in there. I, I, I mean, I like their Aussie accent. I kind of forgot. I haven't heard Nicole Kidman's Aussie accent like that yeah. in as other movies. It didn't seem that way. Obviously, uh, yeah, I just had ahead of her time in medicine. Great character. Uh, beautiful. And this is that one time when Kidman and Cruz, neither of them are kicking past the coverage on this one. They're both equals oh, and they're yeah. both good looking people. And you can see it. And there's a couple pictures like, and they're walking. Sorry. When they're walking down to, uh, get in the cars at the uh, Daytona, how he's walking like together. They, like, they looked pretty good together. Yeah. You could see it. Like you guys look good. Made what? sense. Yeah. This is, I think this is her big breakout role. This is definitely where they get together, right? Yeah. Like they go this on to get married one. and everything else after this. He handpicked her. Yeah. The character herself, I got same kind of thing you said, JR, about being ahead of her time. Um, professional and principled, I also had. Just very honest. Mm-hmm. Like that she calls him uh, calls him out after he goes all road rage on the cabbie there. She calls out Tom Cruise. Uh, I like that about her. Just kind of tough. Um, and she kind of sees right through him, like kind of the same idea, but like he's scared and there's, he won't admit why he's scared. Mm-hmm. Um, kind of had that down. I also said every time I see the scene where she grabs, uh, where he kisses her and then he, she goes out of the room and then grabs him and throws him up against the wall. I'm always thinking, like, this guy just had head trauma and you're whipping him up against the wall, but I'm like, that's so damn hot. Like, Jesus. Oh, it's six to, six, six to, six to midnight <laughs> right there. Yeah. Like, <laughs> 
<laughs> Mrs. Webster, let's go. Uh, <laughs> it's usually a good time watching Nicole Kidman. I can't think of anything other than, you know, when Eyes Wide Shut, when it's her and Tom Cruise again, that was just a super weird movie. But yes. yeah, she's she's beautiful. And uh, yeah, she does a really, really good job in playing this character for sure. She's, she's well acted. She's kind of got that sternness to her. Yeah. It like, makes her really intimidating. Yes. And uh, she actually did. I don't know if you guys, do you remember the movie Dead Calm? No. So it's a I check it out. It's a really good thriller. So Tom Cruise actually handpicked her for this movie. He saw her in this uh, this movie called Dead Calm that had Billy Zane in it Ooh, and Billy Sam Neill. It's a hell of a movie. It's a thriller. The, the old Sam Neill from Jurassic Park. Yeah. Sam oh wow. So check it out. I'll send you guys the link. It's a good movie. Anyway, that's where Tom Cruise actually saw her in this movie and was like, "Wow, this girl's great actress. Like, I want to get her in, involved in this in this project." So. That, that kind of... Teach her how to drive. But you're right. This was kind of her breakout. Uh, let's do uh, Russ Wheeler, played by Carrie Ells. That's how, is that how you pronounce it? I think Ells. so, yeah. Yeah. The uh, Princess Bradgate. Yeah. yeah. Or Sir Robin of Loxley. Sir, yes. <laughs> Robin of Men in Tights. That was a good one. Uh, I have for him great villain uh, in terms of a uh, sports movie, partly because he's so cocky and smug, but also because he's a really good looking dude. Yeah. Right. Yeah, like you, 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 there's nothing about him as if you're just like, I hate that guy. He's like Drago's I mean, younger brother. Yeah. You're like, <laughs> I hate that guy. And all he does is win. Like he's the same. He, he is Cole. And that's why you kind of hate him because he's Cole. He's taking out and he's taking over his ride and doing it a little bit better than Cole did. Yeah. Um, so I, I don't know. I didn't have much on him because he doesn't have a, ton in this movie to really go off of but yeah i just had fantastic villain um because he's so cocky and smug jer i really liked him here's why i liked him i know he's a great villain don't get me wrong he did a great job but he gets big timed by cole when he first meets him cole's on the phone he's like and he, yeah he gives him the old see and ever he gets big timed by cole huge and then i'd be have a little grudge against him too i'm gonna take your ride i'm gonna be better than you i'm gonna eat eat some good hearties okay. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm going to do that. I really thought he was awesome. He was fresh and new and cocky. He did all those great things. Like you said, Webb, he was like another Cole. And he raced hard and kind of dirty, but he had a good reason to not like Cole. Yeah. I'm going to stick with that, Jammer. Yeah, he was great. He was, he was a good character. I don't have anything to add on that one. That's uh, a good point, though, Jammer. I hadn't thought of that. He did get big time pretty hard there. He did. Yeah. I thought I thought he was being a dick. So did Harry. Harry's like, come on. Like, when he was on the phone, and the Cole just said, like, what? Yeah. <laughs> you know? Uh, let's jump to other notable characters. Anybody else stand out for you? I just had Buck. It's kind of hard to not see him as, without touching his drum set. When I, <laughs> like, I know it's his way before again. And yeah. um, to watch uh, John, John C. Riley. Yeah. Yeah. So I, he was great. He was he's also one half of Shake and Bake. That's right. Exactly. Like yeah. later on, no, going back in time, you don't really know. I mean, he did a great job. Yeah. Because I remembered him from this movie. Like this was like his first kind of big feature film role. Yeah. And uh, when you see him come back as a, like a comedy star later, I always be like, "Hey, that's the guy from Days of Thunder." That was the thing, right? Like John C. Riley was the guy from Days of Thunder until he became that's the guy now from Step Brothers, yeah. right? He's also the cop in, he, he, in uh, Gangs of New York. Gangs of New York, right? Like he just his depth is wild. It's actually, awesome. Very He's good. a really good actor. You know what's crazy? When you, I was just looking at this, like you think about the actors that are in this movie, they're all big time now. Like there's mm-hmm. not like yeah. they and not necessarily for their roles in this. I mean, Tom Cruise aside, he's on a whole other planet. But you look at some of the other movies that these guys, these people have done. Like it's crazy. We talked about like Carrie Hills, John C. Riley, Randy Quaid. Obviously, we got Christmas Vacation. And, Everybody and, held their own too. Yeah, yeah, like, they did. And I mean, Duvall was already done The Godfather at this point. Like it's just it's nuts, mm-hmm. nuts. I don't know. This may be one of the best assembled casts in any kind of movie. This is a heavyweight cast. It's huge. That's for sure. Definitely for sports movies, for sure. Yeah. I wanted to mention uh, Big John, the oh, NASCAR John. president. Oh, yeah. I thought that guy did a great job. He's been around. I forget his name. He's wonderful. Yeah, he did an awesome job. I thought he did. Uh, they wrote some really good lines for his character, too. <laughs> yeah. He had some good one-liners, eh? Yeah. I catch you trading paint once. We're going to disassemble your car. We're going to sit you for 100 laps. I have he to ask good. one thing to you guys before we move on from characters. And you guys can tell me I'm way out in left field, but... So four years later, after Top Gun, this thing gets released. And I know it's not exactly the same, but like the Cole Rowdy. Is there a bit of Maverick? Maverick Iceman. Yeah, there's some stuff for sure. Well, I got something. uh, I got a segment for us to talk about that. Yeah, we'll get into that. We got As soon as I started watching it, after I knew that we were looking at the same producers, the same director, and the same lead, there's, there's a lot. I started going down that rabbit hole. We'll get into that. It's 
good catch jr good catch just a couple other things just wanted to mention was uh a lot of great cameos by some of the old boys in there like richard petty uh rusty wallace they had a lot of a lot of good cameos who's who's that other guy uh, allison bobby allison bobby allison bobby allison yeah uh, who's the guy that used to drive the valvoline car mark um mark merton Mark Martin. Yes. Yeah, he's in it too. Yeah. 26 Quaker State used to be Ricky Rudd. Yeah. Yeah. There's the quite a few. The, the, the cars looked proper. I gotta get them. We'll yeah. get that. I mean, that's part of the realism part. But there's yeah. one when Petty got ran off the track. Right at the beginning. Oh, right at the beginning. Rowdy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. First race. Oh, boy. <laughs> the king. That's the king there. Rowdy nudged him off the track. <laughs> Rowdy don't play around. Get Does ready, it. Rowdy. <laughs> Let's jump into quotes. Let's jump into our best and worst quotes. Any ones stand out for you boys you want to mention? Go ahead, JR. Okay, so I had, um, when it reads 9,000 RPM, <laughs> that's bad. I think that one was hilarious. That's a day one of driving. I remember my dad being like, do you see when that one, uh, that's the engine. See when it goes red? That's not good. So I started thinking about that. I referenced that uh, a Yankee, that was Harry on Cole. Tires win the race. That's always a perfect one. And then not distribution, consumption. Yeah, so I thought that, yeah was that was funny. a good one. Anyway, those are my main ones. Uh, yeah, Harry's got a few for me. So I had oh. that same one, the distribution, not consumption. And Tom Cruise says, I'm going to get my ass kicked by a 60-year-old man. And he says, I'm 59. Yeah. <laughs> like, just makes me laugh. A uh, couple other ones. Like, I'm dropping the hammer, obviously, one of my favorites. I used yeah. to watch this movie religiously before going to bed uh, yeah. in first-year university. So I there's a, quite a few. When Buck and Cole meet for the first time, damn nice to meet you. I just think that's a fantastic yeah. way to greet somebody. I'm Mrs. Nice Munster gave that Cole. to me. Damn nice to meet you. I was like, that is a great way to, to introduce yourself it to is. somebody. Yeah. Uh, when so Harry tells charm. When Harry tells Cole to go out and hit the pace car, yeah, uh, that that's pretty funny. And then uh, when uh, Cole comes in after getting banged up and uh, and Buck says, oh, look at that. There's a piece of the metal we don't have to fix. And then K- Harry kicks it and says, I don't want to. You spoiled Buck. Like, yeah, that, I love that That's one. great one-liners <laughs> from Harry. Kills me. Uh, yeah. And then, of course, uh, my favorite, and this is one of my favorite Tom Cruise lines of all time. He goes to Rowdy's to get him to go to the doctor, and he picks up the baseball bat. He says, we can go down there, or we can fix it right here, and he yeah. smashes the pool table. That ranks right up there for me with this, uh, I want the truth. Like, that's up yeah. there. That's a yeah. Tom Cruise line. That's a good Tom that Cruise one. Very good one. For sure. I like the scenes where Harry's talking to the cars, too. Yeah. It shows his connection. I know I some people it. might think it's corny, but I think it's pretty cool. I think it's, you know. It's real. I'm going to build you low to the ground. Yeah. An extra thick oil panel. I'm going to shape you like a bullet. Yeah. Like all that stuff. I really, I thought that was kind of cool. That's passion for what you do. And <laughs> one of my favorite ones is where uh, Harry Hogg's talking to Rowdy's crew chief. And you could tell they're buddies. They've been around the sport a long time. And he's like, uh, who is this guy? And then uh, Tim chimes in. He's like, well, we ran open wheels mostly. He had a two-time. He starts reading off his accolades. Yeah, and then uh, the guy turns to Harry and goes, well, "You got a real statistician there." <laughs> <laughs> well, that was good, just like the old school versus new school kind of thing, Absolutely. you know. Yeah, there's there's just so many lines like you could just go on all day. It's very well written script. It's very well done. I always, yeah, really well done. Let's jump into some little known facts. So, the movie was actually conceived by Tom Cruise while he was shooting The Color of Money with Paul Newman. Paul Newman was, he actually was a professional race car driver. Like, he got into racing really big, and he actually raced into his 90s, I think, almost. He owned a team. Yeah, he owned a team as well, right? So, apparently, when they were shooting in The Color of Money, Paul Newman took him over to meet uh, Rick Hendrick, and they actually turned a couple of laps. He ended up becoming addicted at that time, and after he got out of the car, and he was like, I gotta make, we gotta move, I gotta make a movie about this. Like, that was his thing. So... uh, days of thunder actually started because of paul newman and through tom cruise like he tom cruise then took it back to jerry bruckheimer and don simpson and said i've got this great movie idea pitched it to them and they're like let's do it so they got uh i think his name was robert town to do the screenplay Mm -hmm. and then it went from there so production began without a finished script that was another thing because if you look at this movie think about how many egos you have on this Big time. Bruckheimer's a pretty big guy on his own. Don Simpson's pretty big on his own. You got uh, Tony Scott, like, yeah, legendary yeah. director. Tom Cruise, right? Although I don't think Cruise got weighed in too much on the script. He kind of just w- went with it. But then Robert Towns, a pretty well-known screenwriter at the time. So you've got a lot of guys p- 
pulling the line in different directions. And apparently there's a lot of headbutting during this. So the, the script ended up changing like a thousand times throughout it. And they ended up three months behind in production and way over budget hmm. because of that. They were writing scenes, like rewriting scenes in the morning that they were shooting that afternoon. It was so bad that the actors couldn't memorize their lines. So Tom Cruise was racing in the car with lines on the wi- in the windshield. And he ended up getting an accident one time because of it. Oh, like wow. that's how bad it was. Hmm. So it <laughs> was just a, the, the entire production was like an absolute gong show, like getting through this. So Tom Cruise originally wanted Kurt Russell for the role of Rowdy Burns. Be a good role for him, I think. He would do he great. Could, at he could it. pull it off. That's somebody yeah, who could do it. I wasn't even thinking about that before when we were when we were talking about Rowdy. But yeah, he could. Again, though, can he pull off that southern charm yeah. as well? You think so? I think he has the depth. And my question would be: Would you give him a big mustache when he did it? Oh, mustaches were wider. Yeah, the wider mustache. Jr. is a big tombstone fan. Yeah, folks. I am a big tombstone because then he'd be more like Earnhardt, which I think yeah, kind of they probably be, they glasses. don't say that they base the character on Earnhardt, but there's a lot of parallels. Absolutely, but I don't know if a Russell pulls off the same kind of anger that Rooker does, right? Like I, I he does hundred percent. He does. I don't know, yeah. not in the same Herb Brooks. way. No, the anger of Herb Brooks Rooker, and Rooker to me is more volatile anger, whereas whereas Russell would be like more controlled. Yeah. I, oh, I, I disagree. Rooker, I, think I can't Rooker's see him more. losing his shit that way. Really? Rooker's got yeah. more deep-seated anger. I yeah. I agree with you, Webb. I Rooker, go with Russell. Rooker goes to a darker place. Oh, I really him. like, like, the, I, he did fine. Don't get me wrong. I think Russell has the ability to snap. Yeah. Look at Tombstone. When he goes on the Vendetta ride, he snaps. That's true. In the creek, he loses it. That's he does. True. Yeah. Uh, so Robin Wright, I, I always want to call her Robin Wright Penn, but this was before she became. So Robin Wright, who also played in The Princess Bride with Carrie Ells, she was uh, first suggested for the role of Claire Lewicki. She would have been pretty good. I yeah, she would have been. Yeah, she's great. She would have been easy on the eyes as well. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. Uh, Princess Bride. Anybody want a peanut? <laughs> <laughs> so Tom Cruise, we kind of mentioned earlier, Tom Cruise and Robert Duvall, their characters were based on former driver Tim Richmond and his crew chief Harry Hyde. Richmond was known as an overnight sensation, very much like Colt Trickle, and Hyde was the veteran crew chief that had been around quite a while. The scene where Duvall's character teaches Cruz about the management uh, of the car and teaches him about all you know tires and all that type of stuff, that's actually based on an actual incident between Hyde and Richmond. Richmond died from complications of AIDS before the film was shot at the age of 34. Jeez. Did you oh, guys man. happen to see the, um, the 30 for 30 called tim richmond to the limit no i haven't seen that one. it's a good one check it out i'd watched that a, a few years back but um once i read that this character was based on i never thought about it until i read some of the backstory on some of this stuff but it makes sense they were very like tim richmond was kind of like a rock star he, he was like a against the norm he wasn't like the code guy mm-hmm. like old school racing guy he was more of like a phenom rock star he wants to party hardy and all that stuff loves women so that was that's what they based tom cruise's character on makes kind of sense nascar driver greg Sachs did most of tom cruise's stunt driving cruise wanted to do his own stunts like he does in all his movies but wasn't allowed for insurance reasons like these cars nobody can it's not you can't just put anybody in a car that goes 200 miles an hour it just doesn't make any sense like you know that you need some specific everything has to be perfect you need to have to put in some time because yeah. if you make one wrong move, you're dead. Yep. Like, that's no messing around. Like, the professionals die doing it, so it's... Exactly. Throughout the movie, 35 cars are wrecked during filming. Only that's two. It? Only two cars made it out and were used during the promotion of the film. I think they the Hendrix race team built 37 cars. 35 of them are wrecked. Wow. Yeah. So. I would have put more than that. How much money in automobiles? That's a lot of money. That's a lot of money. Talking about Jerry Bruckheimer movies, though, like what doesn't Mm -hmm. he blow up or like any movie he's done, it's huge effects and everything else. Oh, big time. So in a scene, uh, Trickle is told that he can't pit because the crew is too busy. uh, The crew is too busy eating ice cream. (laughs) (laughs) Great scene. Eating ice cream. (laughs) This incident actually occurred at the 1987 Southern 500 involving the Hendrick Motorsports number 35 team with crew Harry Hyde and Richmond's replacement driver Benny Parsons. So this was actually based on something that happened with Harry Hyde's crew. Come on, that's hilarious. Uh, according to Dale Earnhardt Jr., Tom Cruise had a meeting with uh, Dale Earnhardt Sr. prior to production of the film. It was rumored that Earnhardt was offered the role of Rowdy Burns, but he turned it down because he didn't want to play the bad guy. That's a good look for him. 
Yeah. Yeah. He didn't need to do this. He is Mr. NASCAR even today, right? He doesn't need to. He did not need to do that role. The number three car is legendary. It really is. (laughs) So the scene where Big John tells Cole and Rowdy that they will drive together to dinner is based on an actual meeting Bill France Sr., who was the NASCAR president at the time, had in the 80s between Dale Earnhardt and Jeff Bodine. Bodine, great name. Yeah. I forgot about Jeff Bodine. He was pretty legendary. Oh, yeah. In those days, too. Uh, Eager to rid the sport of its redneck image and expand its audience beyond the southern states, NASCAR offered the producers extraordinary cooperation on the film. Don Simpson stated in his pitch to Bill France Jr., who originally was reluctant to lend the name NASCAR and and kind of be involved in the film, we're going to do for NASCAR with this movie what we did for the U.S. Navy with Top Gun. NASCAR allowed the producers to get on the track with actual footage and actual races under one condition. The movie cars equipped with the cameras had to be measured and qualify for the races. Three movie cars driven by professional drivers Greg Sachs, Tommy Ellis, and Bobby Hamilton qualified for several races in order to capture the footage they needed. Wow. In one of the races, Bobby Hamilton qualified fifth and led a lap during the actual race. That's amazing. Wow. Two of the cars uh, actually qualified for the Daytona 500, which they needed a lot of their footage from, right? Uh, but there was a stipulation that they had to pull out pull out of the race after 100 miles. That's unreal. That's fair. It's pretty wicked. That's, That's awesome. pretty pretty yeah. cool. And apparently these cameras weren't like lightweight, so they actually added to the weight of the car. They still like you can't be under a certain weight. I think it's what it is, right? And yeah. and your weight has to be distributed and measured yeah. properly. So the cars would actually have putting more strain on them because of the extra weight, but Pretty, I thought that was pretty cool. I had no idea that they had no, to do that. I me just, neither. You never think of those things with these movies, right? But how are you going to get that footage? And that's one of the things I really liked about the movie is like the cinematography was wicked. Oh, it's amazing. For 1990s. It's amazing. And even just the sound alone, too, oh, that they did. Yeah. Like rewatching this with the old surround sound on, I was like, this is awesome. Yeah. The sound of, you know, start your engines and that oh. initial sound in NASCAR is still pretty cool. It's amazing. It's a neat thing. Yeah. To get some of the footage, they also uh, outfitted an old El Camino chassis with a roll cage and a supercharged engine, creating a camera car that was used to capture footage outside of the actual races. So they they did a few turns on tracks like on their own to get some extra footage. I love El Caminos. That's my midlife crisis. Really? Oh, absolutely. I want to put a love seat in the back one and just tour around. (laughs) Very much like Dazed and Confused. Uh, So for all the listeners out there, please donate to the Web uh, El Camino Fund. El Camino. Remember El Brad Camino. Pitt on the Mexican? El Camino. El yeah. Camino. <laughs> That's how I always think of when I think of it is that Brad Pitt. So do I. Love the El Camino. So the Days of uh, Thunder shoot lasted three months longer than expected, as I mentioned earlier, mainly due to the constant arguments between three of its main players from behind the scenes, producers Don Simpson, Jerry Bruckheimer, and director Tony Scott. Apparently, Don Simpson and Jerry Bruckheimer turned the Daytona Florida set into their own spring break party. By most accounts, the producers were so disorganized and scattered due to their rampant partying and focusing on getting laid. One of the crew members said Simpson and Bruckheimer threw a crew party one night and sent crew members down to the beach to round up the hottest girls they could find using Tom Cruise as the bait. (laughs) (laughs) Jerry Bruckheimer was releasing the Kraken that night. (laughs) That's awesome. Unbelievable. JR, we got a we got a love triangle alert yes. coming your way. Perfect. So Donna W. Scott was cast by Don Simpson. Uh, she played uh, one of the crew girls. Remember the blonde girl that was oh, like yeah, riding out back? With, yes. Right with Buck there? Yeah, with Buck. They talk about kamikaze drivers and stuff. Yeah. Uh, so she was cast by Don Simpson. Uh, and for the sole reason that Don Simpson wanted to tee her up. During the shooting of it, after she got the role, she ended up dumping Simpson. And she ended up hooking up with uh, Tony Scott, creating a bit of a rift there. So after she broke up with Simpson, she began dating Tony Scott, and they eventually got married and have two children and were together until he died in 2012. Oh, wow. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, I don't know. you remember hearing about Tony Scott? No. How he uh, committed suicide. Oh. He jumped off a bridge, I think it was. Oh, oh man. Um, in 2012. And he's the brother of... Ridley, Ridley Scott? Ridley Scott. He's Ridley Scott's brother. Not Michael Scott. Sir Ridley Scott. So producer Don Simpson insisted on being cast in the movie, which he wasn't an actual actor, but he insisted and insisted and got in fights with the other guys about he wanted to be in the movie. So under pressure, Robert Town wrote a character called Aldo Benedetti, who was a ripoff of Mario Andretti, into the film for Simpson to play. 
originally the character was going to was written to be a much bigger role and he was going to be Cole Trickle's main rival. However, Simpson's acting was so bad that it was rewritten many, many times, and each time the character became smaller and smaller, much to Simpson's anger. That's Eventually, he ended up having one line. <laughs> That's a tough one. Yeah. Ah, it's so funny. <laughs> You're that bad. Yeah, it sounds like this Simpson is just a dick. <laughs> Big time. So it's fair to say, as we mentioned earlier, that uh, Days of Thunder kind of reminds reminds you of Top Gun, right, JR? Big time. It's funny you mentioned that. So I kind of looked at some of the parallels. So obviously you had Don Simpson, Jerry Bruckheimer, Tony Scott, and Tom Cruise. They were all key players, obviously, in Top Gun, right? Mm-hmm. So let's think about the opening scene of both movies. What did you notice about the opening scene? Opening scene of, like, Top Gun? Yeah. Like, when, like right on the opening scene of Top Gun. I'm just trying to think off the top of my head right now. So you got the, Remember aircraft, the aircraft carriers, carrier deck? the sound, the moving, all the little guys, the finger-waving, the afterburners. Same idea if you look at Days of Thunder. Days of Thunder, to think, getting, the crew yeah. chief's getting crew ready. Chief's crew chief's getting ready. getting ready, yeah. And the and the coloring of it, right? It's 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 got a haze dawn. to it. Yeah, it's yeah. dawn, haze. Yeah, I was going to say. Yeah, yeah like those the, are really good points. The golden hour or whenever the sun's coming up, right? Yeah. yeah. They both have that going on in them. And then in the love scene in both movies. Oh, yeah. It's like that weird sunset-y mm-hmm. kind of. And yeah, they're like yeah, silhouettes. Yeah. yeah. That's true. It's another one I picked up. Both Maverick and Cole are cocky, reckless, stubborn characters who resist convention. They're both attracted to women who are a challenge and also in a position of authority to them, so to speak. Yeah. And all and both relationships are considered taboo. Like, you're not supposed to date your surgeon or your doctor, right? Look at the Maverick and Cole's dads, too. Yes. Yeah. They got the dad complex thing going on. Yeah. Duke Mitchell. Duke Mitchell. Is that and they also have, shadow? like, the, the sage wisdom from, like, a... Uh, a sensei vi- type guy whether viper? it's harry or yeah. viper that's yeah. right exactly right and they um, all have a and viper and rowdy might as well be the same thing or uh iceman and viper mm-hmm. or iceman and rowdy excuse me yep in both movies the main character experiences right. a bad wreck and has an issue with returning to glory they have that confidence issue getting yes. back in the cab being back in the saddle jet wash Yep, and in, in both movies the main character has a rival with whom they eventually form a tight bond with right there's iceman he ends up forming you his bond. You me anytime. <laughs> right? And then Rowdy. So I had this too. So you've got Cole. He's Maverick. You've got Harry. And I had him as a combo of both Goose and Viper. Yes. And then Dr. Lewick, he's Charlie. Yeah. Rowdy's Iceman. And I had Russ Wheeler as the commies. <laughs> he's the Meg. He's the, the Meg 28. He's the Meg He's the Meg 28. Yeah. All right, boys. Let's jump into our realism review. Was the movie realistic, and did it do justice to the sport? Okay, so I have some things that I'm going to go on for the realism aspect. Obviously, I'm not an NASCAR driver by any means. I drive a truck, and I don't drive it that fast. So uh, I'm it's not going to... Toyota gonna... truck at that. <laughs> yeah, the Toyota Tacoma wouldn't make it well in the NASCAR world, I don't think. No. Um, so some of the facts I had for proof. Uh, the infield party scene, uh, the RVs, things like that. And that goes back to them being able to use footage from the place. That comes into uh, there. The banks on the turns are insane. You actually see a proper NASCAR track. Yeah, I didn't realize it. Then I saw, I got to go on to Talladega one time, not when they had a race, but mm-hmm. uh, it was like a tour. The, it's three stories. Yeah. yeah. That's how high it is at the edge of that track. The yeah. infields alone are so big, too. They're massive. Yeah. I've been to Dover and Delaware on the way down to Virginia Beach with Melissa, and I stopped in just to see it, and I was like, this is nuts. And to get a proper look, you have a lot more respect once you see it, and you're like, this is wild. It's insane. Uh, okay, so we got to talk about the tobacco sponsorships. Yes. Uh, the Winston Cup. When I was a kid, it was the Winston Cup. Yep. Yeah. Uh, everything just... Cigarettes, tobacco, and alcohol. You don't really see that as much anymore. Yeah. Uh, the good old boy, uh, the USA flag, the Confederate flag flying. Oh, that's, there was four Confederate flags in the first minute of the movie. That's yeah. old school, the NASCAR from that era, I suppose. Um, I mean, very Southern. Very yeah. Southern. Those existed. Uh, I yep. think it was the voice. You guys can correct me. Was it Dr. Jerry Punch? That voice, uh, I think, was one of the announcers. I'm not yep. sure. I may have it wrong. People might be like, no, it wasn't. It, I f- think that was the announcer you always heard of. That helped the authenticity piece to me. Mm-hmm. Because you, you know, Cole Trickle on the, you know, like yeah. that voice. That's like the, you know, us growing up, like the Bob Cole of Saturday, Saturday Night Hockey. He's the NASCAR guy. He's yeah. the NASCAR voice to me. Um, the STP, there's got to be an STP Richard Petty car in there. Driver's names, uh, the brands of car, like the Chevys, the Fords, you know, Lumina underneath. I mean, it wasn't a Lumina, but that look of the car. Those were big time NASCAR cars. Mm-hmm. 
the filming things that you talked about, Jamie, that helps with the authenticity piece, the tracks being real, uh, the fights. You know, we've all seen dust-ups in NASCAR. Oh, yeah. It happens all the time. Yep. Okay, so I'll go quick. Some of the fake things, uh, that amount of contact, you're going to get black and red flagged pretty quick. That's an insane amount of contact. Yeah. Uh, Richard Petty getting run off the road that easily. Don't know if that happens. I'm telling you, those guys, those guys don't let that happen. And if you did, Earnhardt's going to take you out in two seconds right behind that because that's the code from back in the day. The recoveries from spinouts. These are pretty quick recoveries from some of these spinouts. I don't know. Maybe they can, but when you're spinning out 200 miles an hour, uh, the recovery and the ability to do so. Um, I have to talk about one thing, the doctor-patient confidentiality issues that maybe came up. Um, I'm pretty sure there's an oath that I don't know if you can quite date that quick. I think that has to kind of get thrown in there. Or uh, talking about somebody meeting. else's diagnosis. Like, she wouldn't yeah. be confiding in Tom yeah. and Coltrickle about Rowdy's diagnosis. Like, yeah. That's, she would if she wanted to lose her job. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> anyway, those are some of the quick things, Webb. I'll slide it over to you here and let you go. Yeah, I was going to say, a lot of the stuff, uh, the, the tire stuff was realistic to me about, like, guys mm-hmm. not burning out their tires, mm-hmm. uh, things like that. JR, you touched on a lot of them that I had, too, right? The size of the infield, the size of the tracks. The thing that I thought kind of was unrealistic at points we talked about the doctor piece, but Cole not being not knowing anything about cars, that that's just not happening. Not at that level. Like mm-hmm. these guys know a lot. They've been doing this for so long. They they'd be able to describe things a little bit better, more in detail than that. The crash into the pit wall that Cole has in the third or fourth race. So here's my con. It's where they the, the line is. This is gonna hurt. And then I'm mm-hmm. like, no, no, no. You're dead. At that speed, you're dead. So my own personal experience, I went into a concrete median on the 403 going at 110, almost at the exact same angle, probably about a, you know 110 to 70 Jeez. degree angle, depending on which way Scary. you're looking at it. And the airbag deploy, didn't deploy and everything else. And I was in total in shock and everything else. And that was at 110 kilometers an hour. This guy mm-hmm. is going over 200 miles. And, he, and yes, it's the pit. And yes, he's slowing down. But he's going in at that speed. Whereas he can't lock it up and everything else, it's going to hurt way more than that. He's going to be walking out with a little bit more than that. Um, the only thing, other thing I would add to the whole, uh, we talked, touched on this earlier, the piece about like the CTE and the concussions and all that. I don't know how much of that would actually exist. Like we, it's ahead of its time in this movie for a reason because we used to be like that. That was just like, oh, you got a headache? Like walk it yeah. off. Like get in the back yeah. in the car. Let's go. Like Rowdy's reaction is more realistic. Like, yeah. It's, uh, this will be fine. Like, yeah. And, and the idea of like, uh, I think too with like the sanction piece, right? Where Cole gets sanctioned for destroying cars. Like when he goes out and just destroys Russ Wheeler on the victory lap. Like that's not happening. Yeah. <laughs> that's not happening. Not on that lap. They might fight in the pits. There might be some like shoving and everything else in there. But like even Tony Stewart, who I would say had gotten to more than his fair share of dust ups than anybody in NASCAR, mm-hmm. he's not going out and doing something crazy like that. So there, there was those things that were a little unrealistic to me, but all in all, I mean, I love this movie. I don't have enough more than enough positive things to say about it james yeah no just some realistic stuff like harry i thought they got the characters really well and we talked about it earlier like harry rowdy buck those guys are all really accurate like tom uh cole trickle too like uh, jeff gordon style type guy even though he came after it but very very similar i thought we mentioned like the cinematography was really well done drivers being kind of gun shy to return after a big accident i know that's a kind of a big thing for them uh, I thought they nailed the kind of all the NASCAR pieces being able to have that that realism in there really helped the actual footage from the races. Cole's backstory, I thought it was pretty good. The open wheels thing, that was a thing that it actually became more common after this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But at the time, I know. Uh, Look at Danica Patrick. It was based on yes. Tim or yeah, Tim Richmond. And he actually came from open wheels. He came from IndyCar over. So makes a lot of sense. Uh, some of the unrealistic stuff, you guys touched on a lot of them. And I'm just going to just add to it with similar stuff. R- Richard Petty actually had a pretty good quote. So he was he had a little cameo role in it. Uh, but they in, he had a, an interview and they asked him about the movie. And he said, well, they got two things right. One, the cars have numbers on them. And two, they drive fast. That's it. Oh. <laughs> he ripped it. <laughs> but there's a lot of mixed reviews. Like there's a lot of drivers that say, and you, I think you mentioned this, Webb, in, when we did Warrior, which was our last episode, right? When you have all these like crazy things that happen in one fight, yeah, they basically jammed all of these like really yeah. out there things into one movie, one season of racing, which yeah. is 
a lot of these things are based on actual events, but they they're like one in a million events. But they jammed it all into one season. Like apparently somebody did hit the pace car, or not the hit, not the pace car, but ran the guy that won because they had a beef. But the guy got suspended for like a whole year. Yeah, <laughs> you know, like you're not you're not back the next race. Driver Alan Kulwicki said, I, di- I didn't think they did us justice. They portrayed us like we're running bumper cars. Like he actually said that in a quote. And Dale Earnhardt is quoted in his recollection of a conversation that he had with Tom Cruise prior to the movie being made. Earnhardt said, and uh, the words out of Tom Cruise's mouth to me that we're going to make this real and as real as racing is today. And he said, I just don't think they made it that way. Uh, veteran Daryl Waltrip said, I ain't, I ain't no movie critic, but we don't do a lot of banging around like that there's a lot of hollywood in it but it was fun to watch and i enjoyed it so like there's there's a lot of racers that said yeah there was unrealistic stuff but you do it up more for hollywood but they they still said it was a good portrayal daryl waltrop that's dw DW. (laughs) the other thing i had too was uh in the last race where cole's grinding russ along the wall yeah into the checkered flag when you start grinding somebody into the wall both the cars are slowing down because it's creating a ton of friction. So these cars that are like on the edge of like on the, on the edge of your car behind you in third and fourth place, they're beating you now. Yeah, because you've just slowed your you, both your drafted cars down. behind you and, and for sure. You know, like, the one thing mm-hmm. I would say when you're talking about the racing point there, like those cars are so bloody expensive. It's not like you're going out no. there intentionally trying to rub a guy, right? No. Like. You're not trying to screw up your car. There's way too much money on There's the line. There's a lot yeah. of money on the line. These aren't uh, these aren't sunfires you're ripping around the no. course here. And like, <laughs> so my my good buddy, shout out to Scotty Bowman, great great OAC back then. You young millennial types, not knowing what OAC was, but uh, <laughs> for well. one of his co-ops, he had, actually ended up building an engine, and we ended up going to race these stock cars every Friday night in oh, Brockville. Wicked. So I was part of Scotty's uh, terrible pit crew, but. The amount of rubbing that would go on and the amount of work he would have to do to get that car ready to go. And this is, I mean, this is super amateur. Like, don't get me wrong. I'm not putting us in that same vein as NASCAR. But the amount of work that would go into trying to get that car race ready every week and the amount of time. Like, these guys aren't willingly going out there. Crew chief, pit crew or not, they're not going out there trying to make their job any much harder, any more harder than no. it actually is. Mm-hmm. Let's jump into soundtrack. So the music uh, was composed by Hans Zimmer, legendary our guy. movie guy. Simpsons. Our guy. Uh, so Zimmer's composed over music for over 150 films, receiving 11 Academy Award nominations for his work, with a win in the 67th Academy Awards for the 1994 film The Lion King. In December 2010, Zimmer received a star in the Hollywood Walk of Fame. Before I kick it over to you, Webb, I just wanted to mention a funny thing about Hans Zimmer in this movie. So, like, a lot of things were disorganized with this movie. So, apparently, they, they flew Hans Zimmer down for a quick meeting uh, while, I think, when production started, had already started. Zimmer came down wearing, basically, the clothes on his back. And then they said to him, he agreed to take on the, the, uh, the role of composer for this movie, but they needed him to start immediately. And he's <laughs> like, well, I have to go... I have to go home, get a couple of things organized, and then come back down. They're like, no, we've already started production. You have to start now. So literally, he's like, I, I went down there with like a pair of shorts and a T-shirt on my back and had to go buy all new clothes and get going. Fantastic. I need to go to Target. Yeah. I'll be back in a while. Yeah. <laughs> I don't have a ton to add on the soundtrack. Just some well-placed tracks. Uh, like the Spencer Davis, Give Me Some of Love. And it's just Love a song. fantastic song. song. And it, I mean, it's perfect for the scene that they get it going, yeah. right? Where the cars are going, right? Like just... Really good placement of that. Um, little Guns and Roses shout yeah, out. I heard that. One, right? So, yeah. uh, you know, Knocking on Heaven's Door, great tune. Um, I can't say I like the Guns and Roses version better than the original Bob Dylan version. Just me. But it's yeah. a it's another great tune. Um, and there's just some, like, great, uh, like, Moon River is one of my favorite all-time old also call it jazz ballad standards, whatever you want to call it. My grandparents Ooh, took me to listen to it a lot. Yeah, like I just I remember, yeah, a great song. Um, <laughs> it's a good song. And there's some, you know, there's some classic eight, late '80s, early '90s kind of mm-hmm. pop. I'll say rock music at the time, big hair, big band kind of songs on this this soundtrack. Nothing like over the top that stands out for me. That that you know, I had this out, on cassette. Out, you have this on cassette. I, I used to when I was a kid, and I used to listen. To, I used to love it. I'll say, I'll put it. I'll put it to you this way: in terms of this versus the Top Gun soundtrack, it's not even close. The Top Gun soundtrack's way better. But yeah, this yeah. Is, yes, it this is. is. This is still a very good, very good soundtrack one. for the movie that 
that it is, right? And the time frame that it is. <clears throat> mm-hmm. I not a whole lot that on. I love that Gunners was in there. I'm not going to lie to you right away. I, all the other tunes were great. And then I heard some Gunners. I was like, there's the era. There it is. Yep. I need it. Yep. Yep. There it is. Late 90s, or sorry, late 80s, early 90s. Yep, got to have it. Let's jump into our movie review. Quick wrap up here. Uh, where does the movie rank among all time sports? I love this movie. Just like Webb said, I do really love this movie. There's no point where it loses me. I can watch it multiple times a year and be happy. It gives me a lot of nostalgia back in childhood as well. So I'm going to go pretty high on this one because I have a lot of time for it. Like you talked about with the great cast, guys. I thought it was wonderful. Uh, The writing, the whole, all the look, uh, the sounds, the automobiles, all that good stuff. So overall, I'm just going to go overall in my sports movies. Uh, I'm going to put it at about nine. In terms of all-time movies, like I said, I watched this used to use this as my like going to sleep movie because I, I had seen it so many times and it was just comforting and it would help me sleep. Uh, it's high for me. It's probably like a top five uh, in terms of sports movies. Yeah. I'd say it's probably hovering around five, five, six at the latest. Um, it's it's up there for me. And it's just, it's entertaining. I was saying to the guys earlier before we got started last night, we were watching it again at home. It's a good one to watch with the misses again, you know, get get a little bit of marriage points there. Um, and I just kept saying over and over again, like, this movie is so fucking awesome. This movie yeah. is so fucking awesome. She's like, you need to set the over under at like 55 for how many times you said this in the last hour and a half. I love it. Um, like, I just, yep. I love the movie. I don't know. There, it, it does no wrong to me. I know it's kind of cheesy, but for me, it's got a lot of nostalgia to it as well. I love it. Like even with some of the stuff we touched on on, in unrealistic, like the banging and the crashing and whatever, I don't care. That's Hollywood. You got to dial some things up the odd time. It was exciting. It did put NASCAR on the map. Like that's one thing that uh, a lot of NASCAR drivers require for a while because they said, you know, we kind of were told don't don't talk openly too much shit about this movie because it really brought a lot of money into the sport. Yeah, Um, it did kind of do what the top gun did for the u.s navy for nascar so don simpson was right in that it's a good movie i mean i love the i love some of the stuff of the era right like you know when tom cruise shows up on the motorcycle and the smoke comes out and he's you know he's got the leather jacket on and the tight jeans like i love that stuff it was great it's just a great movie i you you mentioned you had it at nine jr that's exactly where i have it because as i mentioned in the last episode i've actually done a thorough job of putting together my all-time sports lists and genres i've got it there and i've got it number two among other sports category Uh, i love it it's one of my top Mm -hmm. 10 movies it is what it is it's great i don't know though if this movie because you know we talked about this that there's a new top gun coming out um but i don't know if this could be one that could be redone no. I really don't think it could. And I don't, no. I don't think, I just think given the, the climate of today's day and age, I mean, it would be an interesting one if they were going to redo it. They'd have to change a whole lot that first couple minutes of that <laughs> of the movie alone with all the Confederate flags. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, but it would be kind of neat. I mean, that would might be kind of cool too to take it from a, a story like a, what's the guy, is it Bubba, Bubba, Bubba Wallace? Wallace? Like kind of a storyline along that same vein Ooh, to, yeah, to, yeah. to develop something. It'd be kind of cool. That would be a good way to you, get yeah. You know what, get, guys? Get right in that web. That movie, a couple of years ago in Kingston, in our town, there was a the best of the 90s concert at the K-Rock Center. And oh, yeah. we all regret a lot of us going to that because it should have stayed in the 90s. Uh, I think we should leave that back in 1990 mm-hmm. and just take it for what it was. Yeah. Fair enough. And enjoy it. And enjoy it. Before we get out of here, we want to do a fun little draft, JJ Reddick style. Shout out to the old man in the three pod. So on this week's draft, we're going to do three rounds with the boys. We're going to draft Tom Cruise movie one-liners. That's going to be the topic. Tom Cruise movie one-liners. Well, seeing how I won clearly last week, I'm going to I'm going to give it over to you, JR, to start. You can Ooh. have the first overall pick. Then we'll go Jamer at two, and then I'll I'll bring up the rear. I'll take it. First overall pick for Tom Cruise one-liners. First of all, there's so many of them that I don't. Like, He's been around forever. I've been lost. But you know what I pick at number one? You know what I pick, boys? I feel the need for speed, baby. Ooh. You took my line. That's what I wanted. It's a good first overall pick. Woo! I know we just did this movie, but I'm picking a one from Days of Thunder. I'm going to say, when uh, Tom Cruise talks to Harry, let me drive. I won't make a fool out of you. Nice. Good pick. All good right. Pick. All right. Uh, okay. Well, you guys got two good ones. I'm going to go. I think I have to go for this one for my first overall pick. So, uh, few good men. 
Tom Cruise, I want the truth, <sighs> because it sets up the most iconic line in the movie, which is, you can't handle the truth, right? Which is the one everybody... So I'm going with, I want the truth. Good my pick. first. My next pick... I'm going to go, uh, I can't, I already talked about how much I liked the line from Days of Thunder where he hits the, the table with that. I'm not going to go with that one. I'm going to go off the board here. I'm going to go Rain Man. I'm going to go with the disappointed. Why should I be disappointed? I got rose bushes, didn't I? I got a used car, didn't I? What's his name? One. What'd you call him? The beneficiary? He got $3 million. I mean, those are rosebuds. So I'm going with that as my, my pick. Well, oh, good picks, Webb. Good picks. Those are both on my list. Jamer, you're up. I'm up again. All right. Um, oh, this is a tough one. I'm going to, I'm going to go back with Top Gun. I'll fire when I'm goddamn good and ready. Oh, take that sun down. Yeah. Okay. So obviously I can go on Top Gun all day. I'm going to, this one's a little bit different, but it might go off. That's a, from Risky Business, Porsche, there is no substitute. Oh, yes. well played. That was a good one. Can't go wrong with that. So you got another pick here, JR. All right. Coming Last back pick, again. JR. So this one is back to, uh, I had this one between, my last pick I had between American Made and Top Gun, but I'm sorry, listeners, I got to stick with Top Gun because it's one of my favorite movies. Um, that's right, Iceman. I am dangerous. Oh, that's a good one. That's Those are my big ones. I had one from American Made that I was going to use, but nope. I'm going to consider this a one-liner because it was done in one shot, but I'm going with Cocktail on this one. And it's his poet, his poem. Oh, that's a good one. So it's, I'm the last barman poet. I see America drinking the fabulous cocktails I make. Americans getting stinking on something I stir or shake. The sex on the beach, the schnapps made from peach, the velvet hammer, the Alabama slammer. I make things with juice and froth. The pink squirrel, the three-toed sloth. I make drinks so sweet and snazzy. The iced tea, the kamikaze, the orgasm, the death spasm, the Singapore sling, the ding-a-ling. America, you've just been devoted to every flavor I've got. But you want to get loaded? Why don't you just order a shot? Bar is open. Boom. So I got the last pick. I'm torn right now. So part of me wants to to give the female listeners some love and go Jerry Maguire. I'm waiting for somebody. Uh, And shout out to our boy Cuba. (laughs) <laughs> but the total degenerate in me wants to go Lex Grossman from Tropic Thunder. Yes. Uh, yes. So I'm torn. <laughs> Lex Grossman. I'm going to I'm gonna do the female listeners a solid and go with uh, You Complete Me, because that's a huge line in the movie. Ooh, every every girl right now is welling up just thinking about how good that one is. Good pick. But honorable mention to Lex Grossman for the dancing alone. For those of you that haven't seen it, YouTube, if Lex Grossman negotiated with Hans Gruber, you will die laughing. I'm promising you. Worth your time. Uh, maybe we'll link that one, James. That's a great one. I think, boys, you could almost do a part two of this. Oh, Top Gun alone. I mean, yeah. when he's talking about his foreign relations with the Meg, and oh, yeah. you know, the bird upside down. Yeah. Yes, yes I, I mean, know the finger goose. So many oh. Top Gun lines. <laughs> yeah, that was good. There's cocktail lines. There's so many oh, lines yeah. from cocktail. He's got such a deep catalog. Yeah, we could have gone crazy. we could have gone way more than We never even talked about a target rich environment. Like, there's just so anyway, we'll I stop going. Jack Reacher too. He's got some oh, pretty badass yeah. lines. Yeah. Tons. Show Tons. me the money. Like all kinds. Thanks again, everybody, for listening and engaging with us on social. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and leave us a review. And please continue to engage with us on Twitter at Big League Flicks and on Instagram at Big League Flicks Pod. Thanks again, everybody. Cheers. Take care, everybody. Have a great week. Big League Flicks, Jordan Christian and Jammer talking movies about sports and the good sand, the glamour. Got a cold beer pairing for the leading lady staring. Fun facts and trivia, man, rocket comparing. Soundtracks and music, they'll rate all these things. Was it real or did they lose us as the fat lady sings? Talking junk, have a giggle, comedy, drama, romance. Did the film deliver six to noon in my pants? With their big bag of tricks, these podcast critics. Jordan Christian and Jammer with Big League Flicks. Jordan Christian and Jammer with Big League Flicks. Jordan Christian and Jammer.